You're listening to the Oregon First Hunting and Fishing Podcast. Our mission is to connect with and actively engage Western Oregon outdoorsmen. Like, I want to encourage people to have a positive life change from the outdoors. Yeah. It's not just killing something. One question we ask on this show is, what's your true motivation behind your life in the outdoors? What's going on deep down inside of you when you're engaging with hunting and fishing? I believe that God gave us the ability to do this. That's one way to connect with God. This is where the spiritual piece really comes in. We are a part, we have a profound impact on our resources. I don't know how to answer that rather than to say it's, it's just all about Jesus. Listen to this podcast, join our Facebook group at Salem First Hunting and Fishing Club, or participate in any of our club fishing trips, shooting events, or hunting trips. Welcome to the show. We are super glad that you turned <laughs> turned in. We're super glad that you <laughs> tuned in, and we hope that you learned something valuable from today's episode about the outdoorsmanship scene in Oregon. We're recording here in Salem in our studio, and one of our goals of this show is to provide content that is specifically geared toward what we believe is the most overlooked segment of the outdoorsman community. And that is far west, Pacific Northwest, hunters and fishermen. You know, Montana, Idaho, Colorado, Wyoming, they get all the love. No one really cares much about Oregon or Washington. So here we are, Northern California even, there's hunters down there, believe it or not, and they chase blacktail too. So here's what we got. Anyone who chases Roosevelt elk, black-tailed deer, Willamette River smallmouth catchers, fishing salmon in the Columbia River, people who spend the fall and winter swimming around in the wettest woods in the lower 48, welcome. This is the show for you. Hey, guys. Join our Facebook group at Salem First Hunting and Fishing Club uh, or go to our Instagram page at OFHF Podcast. Like us. Uh, follow our stories like We've, and subscribe like and subscribe smash that button <laughs> we have uh, picked up our following there um, we don't have a whole lot of posts yet so don't worry we're not a scam or a fake page we're just creating content kind of as it falls in our lap and eric has begun deleting the bots that follow the page yeah so yeah. Those are frustrating. The unsavory account bots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be a part of the community. Join us uh, for any fishing trip, hunting, or shooting event we have coming up here in December. December 16th, we're going to be uh, having a duck hunt out on the Salmon River in Otis. We're going to meet up here early. It looks like we probably want to be hitting it at about 9. So if we meet up at... Maybe I don't want to make a decision on the on the air like this, but maybe seven thirty <laughs> would be a good time to yeah. leave town, leave Salem here. About an it's pretty much exactly an hour drive to the launch, so yeah, give us thirty minutes to get out and set up and start hunting. But with the hunting the bays, you don't really count so much on daylight. It's more high tide is when they come off the roost and feed in the grass that gets flooded. So it's kind of it's interesting. You don't you don't go by sunrise or sunset when you're hunting the bays you go by the tide so that's what we're figuring out and like like bryant had said in the past the salmon river you know we we have chances for scoters out there so if you guys do want to shoot some go ahead add that validation to your uh sea duck permit your sea duck permit for the year uh make sure you have your duck stamp plenty of shells we're Mm -hmm. gonna we're gonna plan on doing some blasting yeah we i recommend threes i don't know 
Jericho, what do you shoot? Uh, twos or threes are twos probably threes, the best. Yeah. Yeah. Potential for geese out there. So if you have your goose permit, you've taken the goose test. If not, then you know just stick with ducks. Especially if it's if you've never been out before, and yeah, the, the sea duck permits two dollars. The waterfowl validation is somewhere around fifteen to seventeen dollars, I think. The federal stamp is twenty five. The, the federal stamp, which you can get either at, at the post office or at somewhere like Bymart, uh, those are twenty five dollars. And coming up, February tenth and twelfth, two thousand twenty four, the Jefferson Baptist Church. Men's Outdoor Ministry hosts every year an outdoorsman show. And this year, amongst other years, we've had it, or JBC has had it, at the Lynn County Fairgrounds and Expo Center in Albany. We are going to be there February 10th to the 12th. We're going to host a podcast from the show one of the days. I think it's the at Saturday. At least one. I wouldn't be surprised if we do more, too. Yeah, it's going to be really cool because uh, just a little friendly tip out there. We're going to be right next to the bow rack. We're in booth 182. They butt up to us, so we'll be right by our friends Wayne and Lisa. And, and this uh, this sportsman show is no joke. It's not it's not just like a little church ministry thing. No. Like it's it's a big deal. There's lots of people from all over the state come. You know, it's it's kind of the only competitor to the Portland Sports Show. And not to knock on the Portland Sports Show. I'm sure there's a lot of great guys that work on that one, and it's a huge feat. But it's in Portland. Come on, man. We're a little bit more on our home turf here. <laughs> no, no offense to all the Portland listeners, which is our most listened to city. Yeah, <laughs> according for to sure. the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> Come out and find us. Uh, we're we're here uh, the whole weekend. Um, if you guys want to stop in, say hi. And finally, guys, we want to add shop talk to your guys's calendars every single month. On the fourth Friday of the month, we meet up at 5.30 p.m. at an undisclosed location in Jefferson. It's going to be by invitation only, so we aren't going to ever post that address. If you want to come, you need to seek us out or know somebody that's in the know to get there. And it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Join our Facebook group, drop a comment, or send us a private message. In today's episode, we are hosting our friend Jericho Brown. Hound hunter. Welcome, Jericho. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Archer, rifleman, All dad, above. pastor, shotgun blaster. Hey, oh, Beastmaster. Wow. That rhymes, dude. We should make a song for you. Oh, dad, wow. pastor, shotgun blaster. Oh, wow. <laughs> man, oh, I wouldn't man. go that far. If that was more universal, that would be a good t-shirt. Dude, we have so many great ideas on this show. Other things to expect on this episode, we're going to talk about Eric and I's week in the outdoors. We have an update on the bill to ban hound hunting for bobcats here in Oregon. A little spoiler alert, it's good news, surprisingly. Not because I hate bobcats. Gear how ha gear how gear heart town leadership is up in arms about a private property elk damage tag. Well, in the ODF and W's eyes, it's a success, and so we'll talk about that. But the anti hunters are having a cow about it, and we're gonna talk like Eric said with our guest Jericho. I'll say a couple things about Jericho, like Eric already alluded to. He's a local, been his family's been living here forever. Third generation hound hunter, and does everything there is to do in Oregon as far as big game outdoor, minus sheep and goats. If you can kill it and eat it, he does it, and so <laughs> he's great to talk to about that kind of stuff. Also, a pastor in Lafayette, 
Lafayette Community Church. He's the youth pastor there. So if you're uh, in that area and you're looking for a home church to visit, someone to to know, a, a church that values the life in the outdoors, or at least one pastor on staff does, <laughs> yeah. then uh, they, yeah. that's a good place for you to go check out. But now it's time for... Icebreakers. Three, two, one, go! All right, Jericho, are you ready for this? I am, I am. Fishing or hunting? Hunting. Bow or rifle? Bow. Elk or deer? Elk. West side or east side? West side. West side. <laughs> yep. Bobcats or raccoons? Oh, uh, that's a tough one, but uh, I like running bobcats, but I've killed a few more raccoons than bobcats, so. I've got a bonus question in here. Favorite brand and pattern of camo. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a that's a tough one. It's probably Realtree because I shop at Walmart. So. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> I was just gonna say Walmart. <laughs> yeah, Walmart, Walmart. Whatever Walmart has Masio at the time. Break up. <laughs> I don't think Walmart has licensed the Sitka patterns, um, subalpine or anything like that. But <laughs> like Bryant said, I'm a youth pastor, so I, I, you know, can't, can't really go go too fancy he's there a youth, he's a youth pastor and he has hounds yeah yeah that uh, means all my Walmart. money goes to the dogs <laughs> uh, well just to clarify you're pretty quick to say west side is that because it's close you like spending time there or what i think it's just easier for me to <laughs> west side because i live here so mm-hmm. um i like going over east uh most of my deer hunting's been over east um yeah when i was younger so but um no it's just because i i'm here so i i hunt it a lot more yeah so yeah i I relate to that a lot. I, I know there will be a time in my life, maybe when I'm older, I will want to do some adventure hunt, you know, in some faraway place. Like even, even today, like if someone gave me the opportunity to go caribou hunting in Alaska, that's always been something that's really interesting to me, you know. But at this point in my life, I am not interested in putting in for tags. And then I hear the doom and gloom about how long it takes to draw a tag like in Colorado or something. I love hunting at home, and that's what I'm interested in. And I mean, I'm, I'm starting to put in for tags for Eastern Oregon cause I have only ever hunted West side. That's all that I know. That's all that I've done, you know? Um, but so I, I agree with you there West side all the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets expensive. I mean, you know, when you, when mm-hmm. you travel and the gas and getting ready to go over there for yeah. a week at a time, two weeks at a time, whatever it is. Yeah. Taking the time off. Like I love where I am in life now, you know, is I can hunt for a day and hunt some great territory and be back at night, you know, not be gone for weeks at a time like a lot of people have to. But then on the gas note, I feel like I spend more money on gas Yeah, because I'll do one year I hunted 23 times before I filled my buck and all of those are day trips, 23 day trips. This is before I had kids. Yeah. 23 day trips. You know how much gas that probably was? I never added it up. That's probably an expensive deer, dude. If I would have just taken a week with the trailer and camped somewhere, that would have been way less gas. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And hound hunters know about spending gas money. Just just a little bit. Yeah. What, what's that? Your Was it your grandpa would say that you have to go through a truck to make a good dog? Yeah. Yeah. Every, every truck you have, you know, by the time the dog's finished... That truck's pretty much done. <laughs> Just know, beating it as, up. It's know. a dog now, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it's time for a personal hunting story from your hosts. I'll start off. Since when we recorded last time, it was the very beginning of deer season. And uh, so I did get to see one buck down this season. I didn't fill my own tag, though. 
Um, it was it was a great season. I saw lots of deer with the season running late, lots of deer movement. Not so much during the day like I expected, but in those sunrise times and sunset times, really the sunset, I saw the most action. So it, it was a great season, so many deer. And one of the guys that I took out, his name was Matt, shout out, hey Matt, uh, <laughs> got to help him get on a buck yeah here locally that was that was really cool it was a nice little uh fork by three so cool cool experience there i pulled my gun up on two different bucks in the last week but both of them were cruising like move they were not f- stop moving yeah the whole time i saw him you, you couldn't know? get a grunt and get him to stop no no and they so the first one was with two other does and soon as i pull my gun up the does were already spooked by me I tried to pull my gun up as quick as I could, and he didn't even know I was there. He just followed the does into the bushes, dove in after him. And then uh, the second buck, second to last day of season, and he was tiny. He wasn't as small as Jericho's smallest fork. Hey, now. Hey, now. Which, uh, sorry to bring that up. But <laughs> he was he was a little was tiny forky guy. Yeah, it was, it was better yeah, eating yeah. than anything else. Yeah. I, I, dude, I was ready to shoot that buck. I don't, you know, I went without a filled tag this year but uh you know i pulled my gun up and i could not find him in the scope and i put the gun down and look up and yeah i couldn't find him because he's already gone you know he was crossing the road in front of me that's probably good sometimes when you take desperation shots like that you end up in situations you don't want to be in so yeah like uh searching for an elk for a week i don't i wouldn't call that desperation though i mean that was just it was just i I, I think that was more of an equipment malfunction than than anything it it was a multitude of reasons yeah which for for those of you listening you can listen to the elk story uh this is a few episodes back explaining all that but one thing that was disappointing about this year you know how you hunt all season and sort of the the beginning of season because you don't really see as many deer with the weather they're mostly nocturnal. Yeah. It's 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 like scouting. And you scout before season and you know areas, but then as the season progresses, you like learn specifically on this mountain that I'm hunting, the deer are in this crack, you know? Mm-hmm. That season as season progresses, my hunting spots, I usually pick about like 5 of them that I scout and then as the season progresses, the list gets smaller and smaller. And yeah. I kind of, okay, this area is not going to happen. This area is too many people. Well, by the end of it, you kind of have all your eggs in one basket. You know, the, those last like four or five days of season, for me at least, I'm, I'm going to hit the area that I've seen the most deer, the most tracks, the most buck tracks. I don't care if I'm seeing fresh rubs and buck tracks, you know, I'm going to hunt an area. Yeah. And uh, I was disappointed to put all my eggs in this basket that ended up having on the last day of season six other groups of hunters wow i was just sickened because you know i knew other people hunted there and i'd, I'd see boot tracks i'd see this or that but i was never blocked out of my gate or anything by pickups yeah last day of season hits everyone must have taken that friday off <laughs> and the whole there's like a two roads that kind of split and you can park either on the uphill or the downhill and uh, there's gates to get into these areas yeah. and realistically two different hunting groups could totally hunt this maybe even three mm-hmm. but for six other rigs yeah, and some of them were like parked on top of each other like i don't know hopefully they knew each other they weren't just going in behind someone else but man that that's what really made my heart sink when i'm like oh my goodness how many people are out here today well in in that 
honestly is what turns people off to public land use right you and know, west side honestly yeah at the west but, yeah that, that's why i started bow hunting because yeah rifle hunting it, it's a zoo sometimes i mean especially yeah. over here in the, in the in our area so well even even over east i remember hunting that ochco unit as a kid on a youth draw and dude there, there's multiple camps up there by us and we were we were probably up four or five miles and yeah it was every day it sounded like vietnam well at least people are shooting because i didn't hear a shot that last day of season until right at sundown so some, someone might have shot that baby forky that i saw but you know i was just standing it's that feeling you know the last day of season you're yeah. on the edge of a clear cut, sun's going down and the sun's going down and the sun and you're waiting, you're like, Okay, this is the best day of the year. Any second now and then you're standing there in the dark, like, All right, well, season's over. A, a good a analogy good for that would be the uh door on your freezer slowly closing yep. so you can yep. no longer see the light. The door on my empty <laughs> freezer. <laughs> Definitely. All right, Eric, how about you? Oh, uh, just the last couple of months has just been chaotic as heck to to say the least i have not gotten out as much as i've wanted to i've been out you know a few times dinking around kind of looking forward to uh warmer weather I'm, you know the older i get and stuff like that i'm like dude this 30 degree weather and getting up at six o'clock in the morning to freeze my toes off is no longer fun i mean i i still have fun don't get me wrong but yeah i'm a warmer weather fisherman now well, let's get into our look at the news. We have an update on House Bill 2912-2023. This is a bill that was put forward to ban the use of hounds for bobcats. So uh, we talked about this in our very first episode when we had Dennis on, and we had a little bit of a, a hound hunting conversation, more of a hound hunting apologetic, you know, <laughs> in that episode. It was all spawned by this conversation revolving around this bill, which is not based on any kind of biology or recommendations from the wildlife managers. This is just people's opinions that they are trying to legislate how to manage the wild livestock of Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just one way to put it. <laughs> real clear. These people don't hunt or no. do anything like that. Except sadly, as far as different groups of hunters fighting against each other goes, hound hunters are the ones who get attacked from all sides. If, if there's if someone who participates in hunting is going to be anti some other kind of hunting, yeah. it's going to be hound hunting. Yeah. It's, yeah. E it's either hound hunting or trapping. It usually gets the, the yep. short end of the stick. Yep. People wouldn't be in Oregon if it wasn't for mountain no. men and hound men. So yeah, That's correct. I mean, the whole West, you know, yeah. we use dogs and it's in our DNA. I loved uh, one of the first episodes of Clay Newcomb's Bear Grease podcast. Mm -hmm. He did this whole, I think it was a two-parter or maybe just a one-parter about mankind's relationship with dogs yeah. about how even our dna down to a dna level when we pet a dog there's a connection where the dog uh, what what's the like positive chemical in your brain sir or uh, oxy something oxy oxytocin no is that a drug or is that a oxycontin oh no not that anyway the dog gets the good stuff dopamine. and Dope, the person yeah. and the, per yeah. yeah, dopamine, the, the dog gets the good stuff and the person gets the good stuff. We're, we're just like for, for generations and generations of human history for thousands of years, you know, we've been partnered with dogs. Yeah. And so anytime we read something that is a, a legislative attempt to further sever that relationship of dogs from their original uses, it really is uh, saddening, you know? Yeah. 
it not not only from a sustenance gathering food gathering pelts perspective mm-hmm. but even just from uh using things for what they're bred to be used for yeah so when we left off this bill had been handed over to the appropriate committee to decide whether or not it should be moved along and uh i'm excited to share this news but the last update on the bill from june 25th says that it is in committee upon adjournment so we see here january 9th it was the first reading january 16th referred to agriculture land use natural resources committee and then june 25th it says in committee upon adjournment jericho could you read the definition there of in committee upon adjournment according to the Oregon Legislative Resources website. A bill that is still in committee at the time the legislative session has ended. This bill is considered dead. That's great news, right? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. It's exciting. It, it had me worried for a little bit, a lot of guys, you know, yeah. because it would end pretty much all hound hunting in Oregon. Yeah. You could, you could still run fox and raccoon at that point, but all these all these cat dogs yeah they, they would be useless yeah i mean there's a lot of guys who that's all that they've trained their dogs to chase is cats they don't do raccoons no no there's guys that will break their dogs off of coons because they don't want to walk to the bottom of a canyon just for a coon so yep so that's always kind of got me interested what, what's the difference uh why is it permitted in other states but not in oregon why do you think that is is that it's the people we have here it's it's, it's animal right act activists they believe that running dogs in the woods is cruel and unusual and they they picture it as the dogs catch the game on the ground and are tearing them up and it's they, they see it as a legal dog fighting none of that is true so it, it's based on emotion and not on fact and you always hear about this 80 percent of like neutral people when it comes to hunting legislation you know they talk about there's the 10 percent anti-hunters that are trying to create these laws to make hunting more and more illegal and then there are the hunters which are 10 percent of the population or less who are fighting for the rights to hunt and to preserve it so those two groups are fighting for the votes of the 80 percent in the middle who are okay with hunting they're fine with it they don't participate in it they aren't particularly passionate about it but they can be swayed either in the direction of the 10 percent of extreme anti-hunters who use false rhetoric and language and they put pictures of baby animals on their hunting ban bills and petitions but they can also be swayed by the 10 percent of hunters who are passionate for preserving that lifestyle and the self-sufficiency and food gathering that comes with it. Well, it kind of makes me wonder too, what point are they going to outlaw the use of dogs and waterfowl, right? Because a lot of times- That's you, the next step. You know, you wing a bird, it goes down, the dog goes out after it, and the dog literally is breaking it, its neck and dragging that, that duck or that goose back in. So it really comes back to the same thing. It's a retrieval process so that the hunter can actually- kill game yeah well and that's what they're going for i mean yeah. that's that's the next step if, yeah. if they can get this you know this bill was to change the ling- language of measure 118 which stated that you or can't measure 18 18 excuse me that you can't can't run cougars and bears with hounds so they wanted to change the language to say all cat and so that yep. would include bobcat and lynx which aren't in oregon so yeah and they add the lynx in there they might as well have add African lion and jaguar and leopard, you yeah, know, because yeah. they aren't here. <laughs> they just did that to try to get people to want it to pass. Right. It's an it's an emotional thing. Yeah. Just to wrap that up, if you participate in outdoor activities, whether it's even down to fishing, but duck hunting, 
deer hunting, all that. You know, we all are on the same team in the 10% of hunters, and uh, we should not stand for each other losing rights when it comes to these kind of things. So we're excited and happy that this died, um, but it's scary that it made it as far as it did. Yeah. All right, moving on to our next news story. I wanted to talk about this one because I'm seeing a lot of buzz about it on both sides of the fence. The hunters and the anti-hunters are upset about this, um, but I think that some proper education would help bring a lot of people to understanding about what's going on here. A town hall meeting was held in Gearheart recently after residents began to notice the elk weren't seen around town recently. After some snooping around, city leadership found out that ODFNW has been allowing for the harvest of cow elk through damage tags on a nearby local ranch where a large herd of elk has been causing issues just outside of town. So the landowner had anywhere from 15 to 30 elk per year removed from his place, totaling 77 elk over three years. This was appalling to the city leadership who brought in the local biologist and in a town meeting, quote, in an article I read, they grilled him for allowing that many elk to be taken. You know, I, I really hope that the city leaders were willing to listen to him and got a great lesson on proper elk management, but I just wanted to kind of share some points here, my two cents on why even as a hunter, I do not see this is a bad thing so here's the problem we all know this as elk hunters soon as the season hits as soon as the pressure comes large herds of elk stay on private property where no hunters can reach them and i know this from working on a farm those elk destroy the farmer's crops yeah. destroy it even just from trampling it they'll make like these mud paths in it in yep. a newly planted fescue field Yep. where nothing's going to grow, and, and they'll eat stuff like crazy, obviously. Then they also go into small towns, and they cause hazards, mm -hmm. not even just traffic, you know. Elk People are, hazards. Elk are dangerous. You're yeah. walking, you don't want to walk through a herd of elk. And they also cause damage in those towns. So the goal is to make the private property less desirable so the elk don't hold up there during the hunting season over winter there to start treating those those farms as their overwintering ground. So here's the solution that ODFNW has implemented for very specific areas that they control pretty pretty tightly is to allow for the legal harvest of one cow elk per person with a damage tag on the private land so the elk no longer see it as a safe haven, a holdout. And I mean, it sure seemed like it worked for this, right? Uh, now the people of Gearheart see less elk. So they're upset about that because they want to see the elk. Yeah, it, it worked. And once again, it's back to the emotions of they mm -hmm. think they should be able to see all the elk they want. And when this guy's field is getting torn up and yeah. he needs them to be removed. The only majestic way to see an elk up close is an elk that's dead, right? Because we all know these people want to go have pictures and get their cars as close as they can to these elk. And yeah. guess what? It just takes one to get pissed off and then yeah stuff gets started do that during, during the rut when the bulls are yeah. ang angry and upset and exactly yep. next thing you know somebody's getting gored here's the thing some hunters are upset about this too because the fear-mongering headlines are saying rancher kills 77 elk and that's just so misleading there was cow damage tags over you know, three years over three years do you realize i i read the numbers originally it was reporting 26 per year but there was a it was very some one of the years there was up to 30 the other years was about 15 and so do you realize taking even 30 elk out of one of these herds that have so many elk in it it's a way for people to get meat that gets the elk off of the private because they no longer see it as a safe haven yeah they're meant for being in the woods but they get pushed out of the woods by hunters yep you know anyway that's what's going on in Gearheart. 
make your own opinion about it, but don't immediately villainize the ODFNW just because the anti-hunting liberal newspapers are. And now to get into our conversation with Jericho Brown. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, man. Um, thing that we ask every guest to kick off the conversation and just kind of get a little bit of your heart and who you are and what you love is share your favorite hunting or fishing story or outdoor experience. So I think I think my favorite hunting story is it was a few years ago and uh, my first bobcat I ever treed with my own dogs and uh, it was it was pretty exciting. My dad got to be with me and that's the first cat he'd seen in a tree for like 15 years or something like that. Wow, yeah. So, um, you know, we, we tried a lot when I was younger, but we had dogs that wouldn't tree and they ran a lot of cats, but I just wasn't a tree dog. So, mm-hmm. um, but we struck this cat off the box and I thought, here we go. Cause my dogs, my dogs weren't broke, you know? And so my, <laughs> my dog struck and I put them down and all of a sudden they hopped up on this stump and that's usually a good indication that it's a cat not not a deer because deer don't walk up on stumps yep. so um, well, i have a video to show you about that well but, yeah, yeah well, I, I maybe, maybe they do sometimes I get right what you're saying. <laughs> uh, but but all of a sudden they they dropped down the hill and they all blew up and and were all barking and i had my eight-month-old pups in there and they ran down and all of a sudden i heard heard my dog switch to a tree bark mm. and that's that's the first time i've ever heard that and it, it, i'm like i looked at my dad and i said i, th- I think he's treeing yeah and all of a sudden the others started treeing and i was like they're they're treed you know and yeah. so it was so exciting to to share that experience with my dad you know uh-huh. we almost we almost lost the cat because i had a older dog at the time that would she didn't tree too so that's that's kind of been my problem growing up with the dogs i've had is they wouldn't tree so and she <laughs> Which she she's in the name of the breed <laughs> yeah well she was a running walker so uh oh, okay. but she she backed off the tree and drug everybody off the tree and i was like oh great you know they stopped treeing so as we walked down there we pushed them back and it was actually my pup that that located the tree and and I was, really? I was pretty excited about that. And they, then they settled back down. And mm-hmm. My older male dog started training again. And You brought up an interesting point there. So the change in bark, right? So you're talking about straight out of the gate, they, they're starting to bark. As soon as you get them out of the box, they're, they're on something, mm-hmm. right? So what's the difference between that out of the box bark and, hey, I'm treeing something. You better come shoot it yeah. soon. Yeah, so hounds have a lot of different voices, if, if you say that. So, you know, when they're trailing, there's dogs that have ball mouth, and there's dogs that have chop the chop mouth. And chop mouth is really fast bark, and a, a ball mouth is kind of a long, uh, echoey bark. And so when they're running something, if it's a cold trail, it's usually kind of slow mm-hmm. ball, ball mouth. And then when it gets jumped, it gets faster and excited, and they're, they're barking a lot. And then when they tree... Um, it, it usually switches most dogs, not all dogs. All Some dogs are ball mouth all the way through. Some dogs, you know, don't have a good yippee choppers, y- yippee <laughs> choppers. They, like, you know, some, some dogs I've had, but, uh, they switch to that chop mouth and, and their kid bark 60 to a hundred barks a minute. I mean, they're, they're sitting there just hammering and, and slobber flying everywhere. And it's, it's just an exciting, yeah. exciting thing. So, um, you know, 
Bryant's talked me up a little bit with all this hunting I've done, but you know, I haven't really been successful in a lot. And so this was, this is only one of three cats that I've treated in 18 years or something like that. So, you know, that's the other thing about hound hunting is people have this misconception of you use dogs and it's automatic and it's like, you're always on them. Like you're always on them. And sure. We, you find them a lot. You run a lot of cats, but bobcats are tricky yeah and they'll run in circles they'll run in circles they'll jump on trees they'll do different things and you know and and if you don't start with a broke dog when i say broke dog i mean a dog that will only run the game you want it to run you know the things that are legal here in oregon and some guys only want their dogs to run bobcat they don't let them run raccoon or fox or anything like that so Hmm. but when you start with that you usually are a little more successful but that Hmm. that could be starting starting with a dog from anywhere from thousand dollars to five thousand dollars and so yeah it's a it's a big deal and so it's like a maserati of dogs yeah Jeez. so i I, think i think if there's one important thing for someone to take away from this conversation is that hound hunting is not as easy the world wishes it was because then they'd be really easy for them to just get rid of it right but it's it's work it's so much work well you know back to the the expense of it you know my my dad and I started out with a dog that I got for free so you know it was a a dog out of my grandpa had passed away a couple years before and and uh one of his buddies took took one of his puppies and so she was like three or four at the time when when he bred her and got a batch of pups and he made the mistake of telling my grandma that he that he had a batch of pups and was joking with her you know how many do you want and we had just finally were going to move into the country so I could get a dog. And my dad said I could. So we, we went down there and he, he said, Oh, I'll just give you one. So he ended up giving us a puppy that actually came some of the bloodlines out of my grandpa's dog. So it was Mm, pretty cool cool. to start with. And And your grandpa was a known hound hunter in our area. Yeah. So there's even like a a loop in the woods that was named after him, right? Yeah. The the Bobby Brown loop up, up of Sea Creek there. Um, No, my grandpa was a, a fur man and so he bought and sold furs and uh and he he was a a guide for a little bit back when it was still legal to run cougars um he didn't really guide bear hunters but he guided guided some cougar hunters some bobcat hunters and got to do that and he had hounds his whole whole life so and his hounds were known like he he bred hounds well he he bred some of them most of the time he he would just buy and sell dogs and so he'd keep them till they got older and then he'd, he'd sell them to somebody else and he'd replace replace a dog and mm-hmm. um, they the houndmen kind of at that time they they all knew each other and so uh hey i'm having a batch of puppies you know do you want one or i'll trade you this for that or yeah yeah you know so it was kind of a thing and he he didn't breed a whole lot of dogs of on his own oh, okay so he 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 was more of hey you know i've heard that dog's good you know if you have puppies out of her i'll take one or uh, somebody would say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm having trouble finishing this dog. Can you take her and got it? Try okay. it, you know? So, um, but he, he had pups occasionally, but usually uh-huh. it was sometimes accidental and, and sometimes they turned out to be good dogs. So, so you ended up with the pup coming out of his line. Yeah. So coming out of a dog, you know, the last batch of pups, when he, when he passed away, he had, there was a batch of puppies there. My friend took, took one and then he ended up getting her bred later. Cause he liked her, you know, she wasn't a very good tree dog either, but he liked her. And so he bred her with a dog that treed better and got some pups out of them. So, 
um, I was able to get one of those, and that's what I started with. So yeah, a free pup, huh? Yeah, free pup. <laughs> I didn't realize you started with the pup. I always thought you started with a dog. No, no, I didn't. We didn't get an older dog till he was two or three, and then he, same guy, had had a had a little red tick female that he was he had used her to train his younger dogs, and so he's like, hey, I'm I'm done with her. My my dogs are starting to take off. Uh-huh. You know, I'll I'll sell her to you for. I think we bought her for eight hundred bucks. So wow. she was a good little dog, treed coons like nobody's business, you know. Yeah. But um, when it came to cats, she'd run them hard. But we later found out she had some kind of sickness, and mm. so she would uh, she would run them hard, and then end up end up like fizzling out. And we're like, what What's going on? You know. And uh, later we found out she had some something wrong with her, some blood disease or something. And so 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 when you're when you're looking to either buy a hound or possibly get one for hound hunting are you specifically looking at any particular bloodline or sex of dog so the sex depends on depends on the guy so some guys will hunt all females some guys will hunt a mixed pack some guys will hunt all males it just depends on your preference with that but um you know you're looking for certain traits you want you want both parents to be good dogs i mean they the cult usually Guys want a cold nose dog, which means they can run a track that's that's older, older you know. Um, and and they want a dog that that will rig off the box, meaning they'll, they'll they ride on top of a dog box, which is you know guys have custom built dog boxes to fit their trucks, and they put them in, and the dog dog rides on top, and when they smell scent um, coming off the road or off the hill, they'll they'll bark. And indicate that there's something there, and then you put them down. So they want they want dogs that'll do that. They and want, that's how we got on a cat recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah for off sure. the box. Yeah, I we with the old lady. Yeah, with old old lady Sadie. Yeah, the old blue tick I bought for 160 bucks. That's turning out to be a pretty good dog. So yeah, she's she's like 10, so I only have her for a few more years. But you know, first time out with her, we treat a cat. So and that's one cool. thing that really helps guys will do is you know, either buying an older dog or somehow getting an older dog to help train the pups. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Without, without that older dog, it's really, it's really, really hard. Um, my, that, that first dog I had, he didn't really take off till he was like three or four. Yeah. And that was after we had that older dog for a little bit and started a few cats with him. And he finally said, okay, this is what we're doing. Uh huh. But then, like I said, he would run them and we knew we put them up, but he would not tree. And so, yeah, so, uh, we caught a lot of coons with him, but not, we didn't catch any bobcats with him cause he, he wouldn't tree. And I think he put him up, he'd sit there for like a half an hour or something and yeah. And then he, he, he'd wander out. So, so one of the questions I wanted to ask just to kind of set, we've, we've already just by proxy explained what hound hunting is. It's raising up a dog, training a dog that likes to chase animals that chases them up trees. And then you look for the animal in the tree and either decide to take it or leave it. Yeah. Speaking on that, you know, the one cat, uh, the first cat you were with me with, you Uh know, even once it's in the tree, (laughs) it's not a done deal. Yeah. You know, those bobcats. We were laying on our backs for two hours. And we were looking with binoculars and, and, and they, they, those bobcats hugged the tree real tight. And, and uh, we saw it jump tree. We saw the silhouette of this cat. Cause it was, I don't remember what time of year it was, but it was fairly open canopy where we could see some light shining through and we're looking in this tree for like 30 minutes, finally see the cat jump tree, never saw it again. And we're looking everywhere, 
they're just they blend in perfectly and they suck up against the side of a tree they'll get way high up into some of the mossy sticky stuff yeah and it's just it's that's the thing really got to remember that hound hunting isn't this romanticized releasing your dogs and they go chase a bunch of animals and you get to come home with the full truck every day yeah it is hard work and you know some guys they get their dogs trained so well that you know it is a little easier for them and they get bobcats in trees a lot but there's a lot of people who you work with your dogs for years and it's it's just a challenge you know yep so so uh why hound hunt what what do you do with bobcats and uh raccoons so if if you're actually successful you know the first one i killed i got it tanned so yeah <laughs> kept it myself but um there are still a few guys out there that that uh buy and sell furs but it's not it's not necessarily for the market anymore a lot of hound guys um they'll just kill a cat occasionally now just to keep their dogs interested you know let them let them chew on it a little bit let them smell it and you know once it's on the ground and uh but most a lot of guys now they're just treating cats and, and letting them go there's not not a huge fur market out there eastern cats are worth a lot more than western cats mm-hmm. um just because they're that their color the high and, desert cats yeah their color and their size is a lot better the western cats you know they're kind of a reddish color and and that's not a very much desired fur and so i don't do it for the fur market most guys right now don't do it for the fur market they just do it because they love dogs and love to hear them run um love to hear them trailing and treeing and because it's, it's exciting and when when you are successful when it all works together after you've put all this time and effort into these dogs. And like I said, I haven't been very successful, but, but <laughs> you keep but, giving that disclaimer. I just want to make sure everybody it. knows that. We get it. Right. <laughs> uh, it's exciting. I started because of my grandpa, you know, he, he uh, passed away when I was seven. And, uh, you know, I always remember just seeing the hounds in the kennel, you know, and that was my favorite thing when I went over, when I went over to my grandparents is, is going out there and, you know, my, my grandma, would always say, Hey, be careful. You know, there's one dog there that he might nip you. Oh, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, so as a little kid, I, I'd, I'd avoid his kennel and go, go pet all the other dogs, you know? But after my grandpa passed away, that was just, I just said, I oh, man, I really want to do this. And yeah. you know, as a seven year old kid, I just, I just really want to do this. So, yeah. and it's, and it's to, to just remember my grandpa and, and not let that legacy die. Mm-hmm. You know, hound, hound hunting is, is an awesome thing and it's a dying sport. And it's ancient. I think not only the like for you the memory of your grandpa that's that's a legacy that's important and uh you know for other people who are generational hound hunters yeah but then for me I ended up with one of Jericho's pups and I'm I at this point in my life will never have time to be an actual hound hunter but I am trying to get her to chase some squirrels but uh all that to say like it it's participating in the legacy of the sport of hound hunting and the generations upon generations where these dogs have been doing this you know and you look back at the histories of the different hound hunting breeds and the where they came from and how they helped shape america and george george washington had hounds i mean that's i mean it 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 it, uh it originally started with the fox hounds coming over and then Uh then, which is what walkers are direct descendants of yeah yeah they're bred out of fox hounds and they look very similar yeah in color and size and stuff so Mm -hmm. i had a uh, rhodesian ridgeback Mm. so if you know anything about those those dogs are meant to just you know hunt cat big cat 
And um, I was, I can't remember the name of the book, but I was reading this book about them. And I mean, they go back like a thousand years. It's yeah. pretty crazy. Yeah. So the origin story of some of these dogs and how integrated they've been into the hunting community and the use of farm work and, you know, whatever, basically since civilization. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And the fact that so early on in human history, we like latched onto dogs. Yeah. That's why I keep going back in my mind to like the, the, even the fact that our DNA as a human is predisposed to get enjoyment from having, being around, petting, working with dogs. That's a big part of the reason why hound hunting is so alluring and awesome is because like you're, you're partnering with this creature. It's the ultimate symbiotic relationship. I really love that connection. Well, and I think there's a difference too between owning a pet and owning a working dog, right? So you can have a little five yard kicker that, you know, (laughs) makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But really, yeah, exactly. They have no purpose other than to make you feel good. And those small breeds originally were for hunting rats, killing rats and and mink and stuff. Well, yeah, like dash hounds were were like used to crawl in holes and, and... I mean, yeah, but now to your point, Eric. Well, yeah, to to my point is we're breeding that out of them. So yeah, it's cool that you still have working dogs. You're still using yeah. dogs. And they're incredibly smart. Working dogs are so much smarter than pet dogs yeah. because you breed in in order to have a good pet dog, you want it to be docile, trainable, kind of lazy, like all those traits that make it a great house dog. You breed that you you breed uh the instinct out of them in order to do that but because like hound dogs and used hound dogs for, who are working dogs like they you breed the instinct into them you keep that instinct alive as much as you can so uh like it makes them very very smart yeah and so having my dog who is i i want to say 50% house dog 50% hunting dog but in reality you know you only get to go out of every so often I still I I never punish her for barking at squirrels at my house though the neighbors probably hate it but she uh, you know she's so smart and has so much instinct and is so trainable as long as you're willing to deal with the energy yeah. that comes with the hound they have like they run themselves to death literally yeah. they run and run and run and run that's that's what they're bred to do is run, smell stuff, chase it till it stops or climbs a tree. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to be ready to deal with a super high energy dog. But the benefit of it is when you get past the energy thing, like she's so trainable in so many ways. Like I have so many commands that I tell her and she just, you know, does it. Like I, I recently got her uh, hurting my chickens <laughs> and she does really good. She doesn't eat them. She, uh, you know, well, Jericho's nervous about that because all it takes is the little predatory snap and she'll break some necks. But I just say, you know, I give the command to chase the chicken toward the coop and she does. And then I say enough and she immediately stops. You know, that took all of her. She's only a year old. All of her one year of life so far beating her off of those chickens and not letting her go near the chickens. And, you know, she she respects that she's not allowed to touch the chickens or chase the chickens. Yeah. Until I give the command, then it's like she gets so excited and it all breaks loose that she gets to chase something, you know. Well, and and I think that's that's kind of important to to say is you know, I used the word broke earlier, and that's probably not the best word, but it's more like bending these dogs to to chase what you want them to. Yeah, because they're naturally their hmm. natural instinct is is to to use their nose to to find a track and run. 
um, whatever. And so when I say broke dog, I, I just mean dog that will only run bobcats and raccoons. But the the real thing you're doing is just bending their natural yeah their natural instinct to run what you want and not this mm-hmm. off game. Mm-hmm. So if they're chasing a coyote, you give them negative stimuli. Right. If they're chasing a bobcat, you let them let yeah. them do it and you reward them and you good dog talk to it talk to you know all the stuff that yeah. you say and, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yep yeah the stuff that i've heard jericho say in these last years of hound hunting with him that i now say to my dog just because it's what comes out you know yeah, yeah. And the only reason i say it is you know i actually uh, was able to dig up some videos uh of my grandpa and wow and that's uh, awesome and some of the hunts they went on and so you know that's that's what he always said that's, that's cool. what my dad you know said oh you'd praise him real good at the tree and yeah, you know yeah. pet him up and and you know like i said we've retrieved quite a few coons and so mm-hmm. doing that coon hunting and it's it's fun exciting it's, yeah it's and and hound hunting is a is a is hunting that anybody can come with you and do you yeah, don't necessarily I have to be you don't have to be the shooter I've never been the shooter. Obviously, I don't have a fur bears. And I've only sh- I've only been a couple times. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so but it, it's it's something that everybody can walk down there to the tree. You know, especially coon hunting. You know, it's pretty. Yeah. You, know, you gotta walk through blackberries and get wet and stuff. But you could have ten guys with you, and you can be as loud as you want. You know. Yeah, you can talk. You know, uh, yeah. When you're walking to a bobcat tree, you probably should be a little more quiet or, you know, because sometimes the cat will jump or something if he sees you coming. But mm-hmm. but most of the time, the dog's got him held up there. He, he's busy watching the dogs. He's not going to jump. So, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's something that every everybody could come do. As you know, it could be sitting around in the truck for 100 miles. Seriously. Or, or or it could be this really tough downhill down to the dogs trying to the get them out. Of- road all the way to <laughs> yeah so you know it, it's it's either a lot of sitting or a lot of activity all at once but hmm. but uh it it's something that a lot of people can do and mm-hmm. you know once once those dogs are are bent bent to to what you want them to run and and you know and i'm i'm getting there so yeah <laughs> well, your your dogs are improving by leaps and bounds well and how are you monitoring them so once once you unbox them they get on a scent right are you using gps or just good old so i i do have uh garmin has come out with a a gps collar for dogs and it's improved hound hunting so much um you you're not spending hours just looking for your dog because you know exactly where they are um if everything's working correctly um because they run out of earshot yeah Yeah, they, they they can get over a hill and if they're just over around a corner or around a lip of a ridge, yeah, you you sometimes you can't hear them, and they're hundreds of yards away. Yeah, yeah. and so it makes you think about your elk bugles. Yeah, right. for yeah. sure, for sure. So when we first started, that that was the other reason we didn't catch a lot of cats. We had just an old antenna system mm. that would beep. Oh, when, once you get close, when enough. you got close to the dog. So so when you got closer, it would beep faster and louder. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got farther away, it would just it'd just be a little blip. Huh. And uh, and so that's old school. That yeah. that's old when, when, I, when I first started. That's what we had because Garmin hadn't come out with these GPS collars yeah. yet. That's part of the reason it was hard. Mm-hmm. And the other reason is you know uh, when my grandpa first started, some well, he didn't have collars at all, so he would just 
go off in- instinct the way dire- direction the dogs were going and back then there was a lot more open roads uh, mm. today we're shut off by gates and different properties we can't go on and different things but he would just say okay i think they're going this way and you know he had enough knowledge of how a cat would run he said okay they're probably gonna go here and loop there or whatever and so he would just have to go by ear and that's the dog a good ball mouth dog that was loud that's what they wanted back then because they could yeah. hear them a lot better um so but yeah now today those those gps collars which are expensive mm-hmm. you know yep. i have i yep. have five dogs and i strap Jeez. strap three hundred dollars around their neck every time i go out and yep the handhelds are like 750 even mine now are outdated so they're constantly updating them I'm, i have a uh alpha 200 they now have an alpha 300 um and the collars they have i have a i just bought a t15 tt15x which is their track train newer one and then they just came out with a tt 25 and 20 so they're they're constantly updating them and um it's i'm kinda... seeing some black friday deals <laughs> yeah yeah one of the things we wanted to ask is how could someone get into hound hunting and we've already given like lots of tips and pieces but i just want to kind of succinctly say uh or ask like how what tasks do you need to do to get into hound hunting yeah you obviously need to find pups or a pup yeah you need to it really helps if you can get an older dog to help train up your pups. Right. How many dogs does someone need? What's the bare minimum you for could running? Do, you could do it with you, you could do it with one dog for Bobcat, but most guys have usually four and then some guys have up to ten or eight. It oh, just okay. depends on the guy. Um I think two Is two a bad dynamic? Two is not a bad di- bad okay. di- dynamic. Um if you if they work well together. Uh-huh. Um if it's a well rounded dog. Yep. Uh, meaning they do little bit of everything um but uh no it's if you want to get started it's it's better to start with a trained dog so so a dog that somebody's already already broke dog that's not going to run trash see a lot of my time my problem was without a broke dog i spent a lot of time running trash and so you'd go out and if there's no snow you you'd be you don't know what they're running until until they start a little bit and you're you're sitting there watching and then you can kind of figure out okay they're they're heading out of the country it's probably a coyote okay yeah tell tell us like you can tell by the way they're running what they're chasing yeah yeah so whether it's a deer an elk a coyote a bear something you don't want them to chase so most other game um besides bobcats will will end up usually running a straight line eventually so a bobcat will when he's jumped, but it's not going to be like out of the country. If he's jumped and running a straight line, he's going to tree um, fairly fast after that. Because that means the dogs are right on him. Right. The dogs mm-hmm. are right on him. But a coyote or a deer, you know, you tr- do your best, but there's something about them that the dogs just love. I think it's a lot of scent. They don't have to stick their nose to the ground. Oh, well, yeah. They can, they can run with their nose in the air. Yep. And so that's what you get nervous when your hounds all of a sudden are sticking their noses in the air. I'll, I'll see Hazel do that a lot. She'll stick her nose in the air, which, which they'll, they'll strike a cat that way too off the road or whatever. But, but enough. most of the time a coyote is straight out of the country. And so if they're right on him, he's going to run, you know? Um, and so you watch and you're sitting there watching on those GPS callers all of a sudden they're, they're taking off and you're like, okay, this is getting a little far Take here. The truck. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so you got to burn around, try to get him cut off and then, um, use the training system yeah. to, to stop them. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. So finding, finding, starting with a trained dog from somebody that you've heard of or, 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 uh, know and trust 
And we have social media pages yeah. for Oregon Hound Hunting yeah. now. There's one I know of that uh, I know that you're on it too, and I'm on it that people will post got yeah. puppies or yeah. dogs. I, I've I've even seen a lot of guys will have like a five year old dog, and they say I'm moving, I can't take them with me. Right. So so if we're gonna look at expense wise, just to get into something like hound hunting, what are we looking at? Like, do you need to own a rifle? Do you need to own a bow? I mean, what what are some of the tools of the trade that you need? How much money are you looking at getting into it? <laughs> it sounds like a lot like fishing or archery where you could just spend a butt ton of money yeah. real quick right up front. It all depends. So, you know, they have different uh, GPS systems now. You know, Bryant's got a little different one than I do that's a little cheaper. Yeah, I think, I don't remember how much mine was. It was a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it's it still a couple hundred it was, bucks. It was Cabela's when we were up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it there. It's, uh, what's the brand? Dogtra. Dogtra. Yeah, and it, it instead of having a separate gps unit like the garmin system where it's a handheld thing it uses my phone which is a downside for a couple reasons it's cheaper because i don't need to buy a separate gps receiver right but the downside is phone runs out of battery faster the maps that are on it are not as detailed in fact most of the time it's literally just a tan background it's and not then, like a topographical map or no, anything. It, it, I can load it if, if I remember to load it before I get out there. But if I get out there and I open it up, it's like, oh, I didn't load the map. Mm. Then it's just it's just a tan background and I can point like a compass which direction the dog is. And if you can afford the Garmin system, it's 100% worth it. They even have like a unit that you can put in your truck right. that you can watch it a, from inside the drive, truck. A drive track is what They that's have the called. handheld ones that's all satellite. Watches. They yep. have... I mean, it's all connected. You, you could get into it about uh, the start. So usually a package collar for the newest one. Now, I think they're selling it for 800. So that's okay. a collar and one collar mm-hmm. and and a handheld. Uh, and I think that's the Alpha 300 and the TT 25 or whatever it's called now. Um, that's that's on sale today. So uh, I Black think it's Friday is when we're recording. You know what blows me away about some of these companies? Like, you know, we have Vortex, Loophole. Yeah, all right here. CRKT, uh, Benchmade, yep. you know, all these. Leatherman. Leatherman, uh, Pendleton, you know, all these awesome brands. The technology's right in our freaking backyard, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's still super expensive to get. It just baffles me. Right. So you need collars. You need, obviously, everything that comes with having a pup as far as kennel. Right. So, you know, you could get a, go to buy Mark, get a kennel for like 250 whatever. That's uh, what I ended up doing. Yeah. Um, but. So starting with the dog, if you're going to start with a trained dog, that's anywhere, like I said earlier, from usually a good dog's like 1200 to $5,000, mm. depending on how old they are, how much experience they have, you know, um, what, what bloodlines they have, that kind of thing. And then usually a pup can be anywhere from like 250 to 500 mm-hmm. But frequently you do see them where, like in Jericho's situation, where couple of dogs had a litter yeah. you know and jericho's only going to keep a couple right and you know he'll 150 200 yeah but my dogs aren't proven so i i didn't feel i don't feel right selling them for hire you yeah, know but there's a lot of guys but, like you in the but yeah there's boat. a lot of guys that have accidental breedings that are still good dogs that aren't inbred yeah, yeah. that that you can get get pups for cheaper if, which um, inbreeding is a tool that some breeders use but for the most part you don't want to buy someone's brother sister litter that they accidentally had right yeah there's there's a couple guys uh 
here in Oregon that that have some inbred dogs that are good dogs, and they did yeah. it on purpose. You know, they yeah, they, it's, they it's bred they bred son to mother and got Am- some good pups out of it. Stuff, so, you know, um, but no, so so looking at that, and then plus you have to have a good truck. I yeah. mean, mm. you saw my truck when I pulled in this morning. It, it it's it's beat up. It's used. It's and my seen some, my some exhaust things. is falling off. My bumper's held down by a ratchet strap. Uh, I mean, um, <laughs> it's a but, perfect hound truck, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's all mountain miles on that thing. So you have to have a good truck. So if you don't have a good truck to start with a truck that can handle, and you both, need a small truck, a small truck is a big, more ideal. Yeah. Like, no, even my, my truck would not be a good hound truck, dude. Are, are you talking because of the narrowness of some of those logging roads oh, and yeah. stuff? You're going narrow. You need a truck that's good in the snow. Yeah. Um, my I've learned with the tires I have and just the geometry of my 2011 F-150, it crab walks really bad in the snow. Anytime there's any kind of pitch in the road, that back end is sliding that direction. And so, you know, it's uh, it's just not an ideal hound rig. Compared to Jericho's little Toyota, which is amazing in the snow for some reason. It's just the way that it's made. It's like a perfect snow rig. Well, and I have a little more driving experience in the snow than you do. Oh, sure, yeah. (laughs) Then you have uh, the dog box. So you either can order a custom one. Uh, Alder Grove dog boxes, is they have great dog boxes. There's someone local making them. Uh, They were local. I think he's got a shop now in South Dakota. I think he might have moved. I'm not sure completely. Well, yeah, because you can actually hunt for cougars out there. But You got that, which can be... Their aluminum dog boxes are like two thousand, but five hundred. Sweet, they are like everything you could think of needing in a dog box, and they've got it figured out. Yeah, right. um, they they've been in the business a long time, so they and they'll custom make you a dog box hmm. for, um, your for your for your truck to fit your bed or whatever you want. Um, you said they're all aluminum. Yeah, there's are like all, the diamond all, plate, all nice. aluminum. And are those insulated? Uh, they can be. Yeah. Okay. Do you insulate yours? Uh, right now I just have a wood one. Okay. So um, I just have an over-the-rail one, which means it sits on the edge of my pickup bed, um, and I just throw hay and a rubber mat in there, yeah. uh, like a stall mat, and mm-hmm. uh, it keeps them pretty good. Yeah. It keeps them pretty warm. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, and then you have your, your monthly cost of dog food, yep. your vet bills, your, you know. Shots, every, spay, neuter. Yeah, all that stuff. And so it, it's it's a ongoing cost mm-hmm. so looking to get started you're gonna spend five thousand dollars yeah or more minimum on the yeah. to on get the spay and neuter note when you neuter a dog it changes their behavior yep are right. you nervous about doing that with with a working dog with hounds no um sometimes it it, it will really affect a dog it but most of the time it, it if they are already doing what they're supposed to be doing so you, that's you a, do that's wait a, men- a little longer that's though. a mental thing yeah it's not a, it's not a, uh, they might not be as aggressive on our track or something afterwards, but there's some dog, most guys, if they don't want to deal with it, you know, that's uh, the couple litters of pups I've had have been kind of accidental. Um, so, um, it's better to do that if you can. I hear that a lot. People are like, oh yeah, my lab's just way too, you know, berserk all the time. We're going to get him fixed or, you know, get her fixed. And it's like, you know, that's not the end all cure all. You know, what it really comes down to is spending time with the animal. Yeah. To and get giving it. them what they need. With the hound dog, I learned as soon as, like, I was so 
pissed all the time about all the stuff she ate. <laughs> yeah. Everything, dude. And it's because I've realized, for one, she's high energy. For two, she's super smart. Those yeah. two things combined, she gets bored really easy. And so if there's something for her to be chewing on when she's bored, she's going to shred it to pieces. And that's yeah. that's just been the challenge. I have to keep her mentally stimulated and, and keep her try to run her as much as I can. Even like it, she made me start jogging. Yeah, I, I never would have done that in my life, but now I jog the dog whenever I can, yeah. you know, or run the dog. But I'm jogging, you know, yeah. just because it's like gotta keep this dog satiated because she is just like, yeah, we'll get bored and start eating everything and escaping, or or start barking. You yeah, know, that's well, that's the other thing yeah. with my with my dogs. They get bored and they start barking, and then my neighbors complain. You know, mm, yeah. Yep. Apparently, my grandma told me because I I keep them in my grandpa's old kennels, so I have the privilege to live right across the road from my grandma, and and the kennels were still there, and I I've had to redo them a little bit, but I I have the privilege of keeping my dogs in in the same kennels my grandpa did, and so, but apparently I was at work one day and my dogs were barking for like five hours straight. <laughs> The neighbor, the neighbor called my grandma and said, that's just rude. And, <laughs> and you know, I, I, I do my best to Send keep them a thing of cookies. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> keep, keep them more down, and, uh, put bark collars on them sometimes. And it, it they're, they're dog bred to bark. And yeah. so when they get bored or yeah. if the neighbor dog's running around or a cat walks across front of the kennels or whatever yeah, yeah. and they'll a squirrel they'll, runs across the fence within the shot they'll be barking for hours and because yeah. they want out to to go chase it or go mm-hmm. play or whatever so and um, they don't forget quickly <laughs> no no um yeah i'm finding that out with that old blue tick i got she'll strike something and if i don't let her out to check it out she'll we'll be going down the road and she'll just keep striking because oh, she wants out of the box yeah she's like hey i told you i I smelt something back there. Let yeah, me yeah. out. Let me out. And yeah. I'm like, no, I didn't see a track. You know, if there's snow or whatever, I didn't see a track. And <laughs> and so uh, I'm learning that with her because she's she's been teaching me a lot of things. So, but but no, yeah. So it, it's an expensive endeavor. You know, you're talking a hundred bucks every time you go out for gas for gas. Um, and then if you're bringing snacks or whatever and destroying your truck, usually most guys that hunt cats will will use. Uh, like a 22 caliber or lower, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to put a big hole in it if you are selling them. And everyone's got those. Um, my, my grandpa found that a 22 mag is best because it, uh, if you hit them in the jaw, it'll go through the jaw. Like, like with coons, especially they you aim for the head. They were using 22s and, uh, they were hitting coons in the lower jaw and it wouldn't, wouldn't kill them. They wouldn't go through. And so they started using 22 mags. So it has a little more umph, uh, hmm. to, to break the jaw and go through if they hit them low. And so, um, you, most guys find a cheap 22 or 22 mag and some guys use 17s or mm. whatever yeah. you know so 17 hmr is good yeah. round so, so you've got your dog your collars your kennel at home dog supplies you've got time to exercise your dog yeah you've got the dog box the pickup the weapon system you've got yep your 22 yeah and then you got to have a good pair of boots cuz if you're if you're going in there, you know, like I said, my grandpa always kind of did things cheap, and my dad said he uh, he'd wear a pair of rubber boots and jeans and an old raincoat, and you know, he said there's one time that they ended up walking almost all the way around the base of Mount Hood. Mm. The dogs were running something, and wow, uh, and uh, there was no road system; they couldn't drive any further in the snow. And he said by the time they got back, because his boots were rubbing on the back of his leg, he had cut his boots all the way down to the heel. 
um, to try to just keep, to stop the rubbing yeah. from, and he had sores at different spots every time. All the way he, down, you know. Yep. Um, Got to roll them over. They're great for scent control and keeping your feet dry. They're not great for well, they're not even that great for keeping your feet dry because you sweat in no, them. No, yeah. I I I hunted a couple of years in insulated rubber boots and I had to walk like 12 miles one time and brutal. I, I was so sore. By the time yeah, I got no, back. So no. not enough ankle mobility. No, for me. but so yeah, it's, it's expensive. Um, the best thing you can do though, is find another houndman that'll take you under his wing and, and show you. And before you even buy a dog or think about buying a dog, go with that person. If they, if they'll, if they'll take you and learn. I'd, I'd say to anyone, even if you're not interested in getting into hound hunting, if you get the invite, say oh, yes. Yeah. Say yes. And I tell people that all the time. Even if you have no interest in ever hound hunting yourself, if you get the invite, say yes. It is a very cool experience. Yeah. Oh, it's just it's fun. Like I said, anybody can go. You could have as many people as you want. And you sit in the truck, talk to someone, and watch the dogs trot down the road looking for something to chase. Hmm. Sounds cool. Yeah. I look forward to trying it out. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll so definitely have to go sometime. Um, you've got all the gear now. How do you find where to go? What do you look for when you're picking somewhere to go where the dogs can be safe on the roads and all this different stuff? So it's getting harder and harder to do that. Um, with warehouser closing down the properties, Stempson completely, uh, closing Houndman out. Um, warehouser permit properties you can no longer run hounds on um the way their website reads i'm not sure you know they could call me after this or whatever and tell me i'm wrong but <laughs> but the the walk-in properties i believe you could still use dogs um i'm not sure you know so we have to be careful you can't go in at night on those properties which has changed yep. things a yep. lot when we first started you didn't care about it we didn't have on x so we didn't really care we just went up in the hills Wherever the dogs if went, we no went. There's no sign. You go. Yeah. If there was not a clear no trespassing sign, you you just went. You know, when my grandpa did it, they didn't care at all. You know, probably um, even if there was a no trespassing. Well, <laughs> I've got some stories about that, but but uh, I always think about those 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 dudes that you know forty years ago were just absolute beast masters back in the day, just slaying every single year whether it's elk or pronghorn whitetail blacktail bear you know whatever dude if we would have given them something like on x oh my goodness and a good scope think about that they animals would have went extinct yeah yeah yeah, for sure but no so you're looking for areas that that don't have a lot of traffic you know uh season runs september 1st is pursuit season so you could legally be in the woods uh pursuing game um, they've changed the law. You can now have your dogs in year round, but you can't pursue things from, um, March 15th till September 1st. So, so you can exercise them without pursuing yeah. and then pursuit season, you can chase stuff, but you can't shoot it. Right. And, and then, then the hunting season, hunting season for raccoons starts November 15th. And then uh, for Bobcat starts December 1st. And goes until? And goes till February 28th for Bobcat and then March 15th for Raccoon. So okay. we're looking at a few weeks away on Bobcat. Right. So the kill season starts um, December 1st here. So yeah, just a couple couple weeks here. And cool. All, all the stuff next weekend doing, actually. So. Yeah. This is all just exercising the dogs. But then at, right after that season's over, you can have your dogs out there, but you can you not have a gun with you? You can't have, you, you shouldn't. 
you know, because they, they'll question you. No questions you. asked. Yeah. yeah. And you just want to make yourself, you know, hey, I'm just out here exercising my dogs. You'll try to go to areas where there isn't as much game. Um, which is impossible. So but are you looking for BLM roads? Are so BLM, looking, National Forest, uh, You don't state. run main lines? Um, you can if you okay. run at night. Um, okay. Because there's usually a little less people. Um, but you're looking for those, you know, you're you're hunting the same places you're hunting deer and elk. I yeah. mean, those, yeah. those same roads. Um, you know, that's the other thing about pursuit season is it runs during the archery elk, the rifle deer and rifle elk season. So you yeah. try to stay out of the woods during the daytime during those seasons just Which, for respect for those guys. I can't believe, yeah, that I've, and of got, all the miles I've run, I've never encountered a pack of hounds. You yeah, know? Mo- most guys go at night during that time mm-hmm. um, just because they want to be respectful to the deer hunters. They're also deer hunting too a lot of times, you know, and during deer season and and um, and they don't want their dogs to get shot because some guys get upset, angry that your dogs are out in the woods during deer season and well, there's this they might take a shot at your dogs. that I believe that isn't true. I thought that anyone who saw a dog chasing game, like illegal, like deer or elk, could shoot the dog on sight, but that's not true. It's uh, only it's, enforcement officers yeah, can do that. Only law enforcement officers. So anyone listening, if you see a dog chasing a deer, you don't have any right to shoot it. No, um, no only the law enforcement. Only law enforcement. Yeah. In other states, people can, which is why I thought it was so in Oregon, but that's not. If they're doing it on private property and you're the owner oh, of the private if property. If it's livestock, it's totally different. Yeah, yeah. Free game. Um, so yeah, you're, you're hinting at time of day. So you, you normally go during the day just cause I like to, Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm going to be honest when I was younger, I was scared of the dark, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't and, blame you, dude. And, and <laughs> when you're and, kept walking out after dark, even just regular hunting, you know, you gotta, you gotta tough up and just put your head down and walk. I've since got over that, you know, half, half into, you know, coon hunting is always at night. Um, Bobcat, the cats generally move at night, um, so you're gonna f- have a lot more chances of finding a bobcat if you go at night. Um, but there's that occasional cat, the one bobcat that that I t- talked about at the beginning. You know, it was like two o'clock in the afternoon, you know. So they well, and the one that we treed, the, the one we treed was jump tree. was like three, you know, yeah. or something. So it mm. it all depends when the cat gets antsy, moved, gets out of his bed, goes or gets hungry. Yep. Um, but most of the time they're doing their hunting at night. And so most of the time you're going to be more successful. And that's probably why I'm not so successful uh, is, is hunting at night. So, yeah. And like I said, you just avoid, then you have to avoid those warehouser pieces. You have to avoid some of that private that doesn't allow you in at night at night. Yeah. And you hit the state and the national forest and the BLM at that point. So, um, are there, do you encounter other dogs? Do your dogs ever get in with, with someone else's pack? Uh, I haven't had it happen. A lot of guys will hunt together and, and, uh, I've heard other dogs when I've been out and my dogs were out barking and I've heard somebody else's dog, like they were going down a different road and they oh, struck, sure. they struck or they heard my dogs and wanted to come to them. Yeah. You know, cause hounds, that's kind of their, some dogs, yeah. that's their natural thing is, Hey, there's another dog barking. What are they doing? I want to go to that. So, um, I've heard that before. Um, but I haven't had any trouble running mm-hmm. into anybody else. I mean, I've run into guys on the road, but usually my dogs are on the box. Or so, something. so legally, you could shoot a bobcat at night, and you can shoot mm-hmm. a raccoon at night. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah. Bobcats, raccoons, fox. You could all use artificial light, and at night, um, 
as long you know not in a moving vehicle of course because that's the yeah rule, but but you, um, you shine a light right up there look for eyes yeah and, so yep. if you go down to a tree you know you could use a light um you can even as long as it's not on your gun you can look with a night vision scope hmm. yeah just like for coyotes, to, lo- to locate them yeah um but it can't be on your firearm so okay you could locate them and then so what kind of dogs do you run and what kind of dogs do other people run around here most guys in Oregon run uh, walkers, um, and so they're train walkers or running walkers. Full, full name, train walker coonhound. Yeah, train walker coonhound or, or like I said, run, running walker coonhound, which is the running walker is a little closer to the foxhound. Okay. Um, but most guys have walkers. Um, and, and walkers, they're like a medium-sized dog. Yeah, they and, can be... Um, I mean, you had a monster. Timber was a big <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, like but, 70 pounds, but... Um, even Hazel's pretty big. They're... Yeah. They're generally like 30 to 60 hmm. um, um, is when they're running a lot, you know, I, so... I don't know. Have you weighed your pups recently? Do you know how heavy they are? Uh, I think last time they were... My smaller one was like... 45 and the bigger one was like 52 and how long ago was that uh that was quite a while ago so oh I'm not, so I'm they not could sure. be even bigger and they're yeah. only a year old yeah, yeah. okay cool. so but yeah so tree and walkers and then i have one blue tick that, yep. that older dog that and I, she's from oregon and she yeah she came out of some guys so um there's several different hound breeds most guys have switched to the walkers because they're a little faster moving dog and yeah they can they typically can do it all um Blue ticks tend to be a little slower on a track, um, a little more uh, methodical, okay, and and um, move a little slower. But it all depends on the dog. What about like red bones or black and tans there, or? There's a there was a couple of people that I ran into when I was younger that had red bones and black and tans. Um, again, they're a little bit slower dog. I've seen black so. and tans in people's rigs, but like pets, not right. not working. Black and tans are just super pretty dogs. So a lot of guys will just have them as pets, but, um, no, all, all hound breeds are, are good. There's some guys that have a couple plots. I was about to ask plot bloodhound, any of those, um, bloodhound. Most guys, they might have some bloodhound bred into their dogs, but most guys don't hunt bloodhounds. They're, they're, they're more of a baying, like they're more of just a trail dog. They don't really tree too, too good. Um, and they're more used for, you know, blood manhunts, blood tra- trailing, and man, <laughs> man, man hunting, and because um, I think we're kind of skipping over something to define. There's two goals for a hound. In our area, we tree stuff, mm-hmm. but if you're out in the desert hunting cougars, not in Oregon, obviously, where there's nowhere to tree, you bay it up, right? Yeah. Or or bear dogs, yeah, they can tree, but you know they they but, bay something up. And could you explain? what that is so the difference between a tree uh, you know and a lot of those dogs are the same dogs because even in the desert there's occasional trees but um a dog that will bay up game is a dog that that learns his boundaries and they run a they run an animal usually it's a bear or cougar until it it holds up on on rocks or at the base of a a root wad or whatever it may be and they stay back or and they cliff or, or a cliff or whatever yeah. it is, but they stay back and they, they, they're barking at that animal just to hold it there until the on hunter, the ground, on the ground till the hunter comes. And some, some dogs, it takes them a little bit to learn to keep their distance and they'll get swatted and they'll get swatted. Um, there's dogs that have been lost that way, unfortunately, mm. but, 
but they they bay at the animal until the hunter comes and and decides whether or not they want to take that animal and that's that's a, that's another thing we didn't talk about with down hunting is it is a it is hunting that you can do and you have time to look at that animal for a long period of time and decide whether or not you want to take that animal yeah mm-hmm. and and most people don't selective. understand that yeah you could be you can make sure that it's a tom in the tree meaning a male cat or or whatever it is you know and and really sit there and decide whether or not you want to do it whereas now in Oregon when we see a cougar or a bear show it, on site it, it's you better move quick. You might not get another chance in 10 years. You better take a shot, you know? Yeah, the cougar for sure. So, hmm. um, but yeah, so um, that's the difference. You know, most of our, most cats here tree. Doesn't that sound like a crazy experience though? Like we can't yeah. do that here in Oregon at all for bears or cougars. Yeah. But imagine, you know, walking up on an animal on the ground with your dog surrounding it. You obviously want more dogs for that. One dog wouldn't be able to do that. Right, right. Right. If you're if you're hunting areas where you're gonna end up having bay ups, uh, you're gonna want a bigger pack of dogs. You're yeah. not gonna want because you don't one want that thing to fight. You yeah. want it to cower and. Here, here's kind of a. I wouldn't say it's off topic, but have you ever seen um, guys hunting razorbacks with dogs? So actual feral pigs on like YouTube and stuff. Yeah, yeah I have. Yeah. I wonder at what point is our feral pig population going to get big enough that we can do that? That would be sick. Well, probably never. Well, we, you legally, you legally can in Oregon, you but legally have to report it at least. Right. But, uh, we have some feral hogs in Eastern Oregon and, um, on some ranches and stuff. Um, I haven't heard well, of that's anybody the keyword on some ranches. Right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard of anybody, uh, using dogs to, help with that issue um down south though yeah i mean it's it's big i was gonna I say mean, like I, I've, I've watched Cal- a lot california of, even yeah. Cal- just down in california they, really they, they use, use hounds for yeah. pigs oh they that's use, cool in california go, california in california <laughs> job. you won't be able to soon i bet yeah but <laughs> get, get this so it, with with that with uh with us getting closed down for bear and cougar they could still run bear in california till 2012 really which was surprising to me. I, d- I never I knew that. that. But they could still run bear with dogs till 2012. And in, in, in California right now, you could still leg- legally run gray fox hmm. and, and pigs. And I think raccoons. But See, um, I'm, I'm anti-fox. I think foxes are cool. We used to have a couple out on the farm that we had a black one, we had a gray one, we had a red one. And they were just super cool. They like You could pull up next to them in your truck roll the window down and start talking to them. You didn't have rabies? No. (laughs) Was it someone's escape pet? Nope. The only foxes I've seen are, get out of here, there's a person, you know? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no, these were super friendly. They lived in this thicket of, um, like, of blackberries and just kind of overgrown trees. You know the phenomenon of a city deer, right? (laughs) A city deer. deer. You get these gigantic bucks that have no fear in the world of people and they'll just be laying there in a on a grassy part of the road, you know. That sounds like your fox experience, right? Yeah, yeah. City fox, even though you weren't in the city, but you know, we've talked about you know, treeing hounds, other kind of hounds. Uh, how do you take care of them? How do you exercise them? Talk about roading the dogs real quick. Well, we're kind of wrapping up our conversation on hounds. Yeah. So, so roading dogs, like I said earlier, you either. Um, you want a dog that will rig, 
which is right on the box or the other method is when you don't have snow or you you know the the conditions aren't right let's say it's raining or something they're not going to be able to really smell anything out of the air so you'll road the dogs which means they run in front of the pickup um and and just they're just trucking down the road and uh they learn how to do it real young it's kind of natural to them it is natural dude i've noticed that with my with my pup like I put her in front of the truck and at first, you know, I got back in the truck and she's looking at me like, Hey, you forgot something. And then like, I kind of start inching forward and, and I say, go walk Hazel, walk, walk. And she kind of figured it out. And now whenever I take her out, I just let her out of the truck and she knows right what to do. Right. Right. And so they're, they're running down the road in front of you and you're usually going like five, 10 miles an hour. So that's why it takes a lot of time. I mean, to cover ground. And they're running down the road, and they're checking every little it's like scent. A, it's like a trot. Like, their back legs kind of hop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of trotting <laughs> down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and then once they, they find bobcat scent, it's it's pretty fun to watch. Because if it's... Immediately they switch. They switch. And it's like this light bulb goes on, their nose drops to the ground, and their tail goes up. Mm. And their tail starts wagging. And, and uh, if it's a hot track, they'll They'll, they'll open. do, like, figure eights yeah. really fast. Yeah. If it's a hot track, they'll open up and and start barking um and and there away you go you know so uh but yeah so most most guys in, here in Oregon that's the two methods they use they either rig their dogs or they rode them and then if you have snow a lot of times you just leave your dogs in the box and look for bobcat tracks but and then release them on the and fresh then release tracks. them on the track but hmm. but yeah so those are the those are the main methods used so yeah. how do you get them off the tree then so getting them off the tree, you know, some guys have their dogs trained well enough that they just say, come on and enough, enough. And they start, what I say, they, <laughs> they start walking away and the dogs will follow them out. Yeah. Um, other guys, their dogs are so tree happy and, and, uh, excited. They have to leash them out like your dogs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, I've, I've had a couple times now where I've just been able to call them out of the woods, which I'm, yeah. I'm pretty impressed with the dogs I have right now That's that good. I can do that. Do you, do you tone but, them? Because just the collar has a function where you can beep. It's called toning them. I, I try not to tone them. Unless I, they're doing I, something keyword bad. Keyword is try not to tone them unless they're doing something bad. Oh, um, okay. Because I've been training my tone as a recall you, in a positive way. You you can do that. See, that every dog's different. Uh-huh. And so your dog's now going to realize that the tone is just, hey, come here. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, whereas my dog's think of it more of hey stop what you're doing hmm. um got it okay because i've used when i'm not sure what they're running i don't um use the full stimulation i just use tone and that'll stop them because mm-hmm. the collar just beeps it just goes beep beep and and they hear that and they're like oh, oh okay what what are we doing so yeah, yeah. Hmm. um but most of the time you have to leash them um, and it's hard with five dogs to leash them and walk out of the woods. Yeah. If you've walked in the woods yeah. with one dog, you know how on hard that, it is. On the last cat that we pulled him off of, yeah. where we had two boys had and three si- girls. We had no, we had six dogs. Oh, oh yeah, we had yeah, six yeah. dogs. Six <laughs> that, dogs. That's so, a tree. So, wow. You know, and so your your leash goes to like a split lead yeah. where there's two, and so. I had Hazel, my dog, and then one of Jericho's pups, and then I, I think I had Sadie in the other hand, yeah. and you had the boys, and yeah. they're pulling, 
pulling you up stuff, pulling you down stuff. They're strong, dude, and, and they're excited, and you're doing everything you can. You're getting hung up on trees. But <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, the, it's the fun, chaotic part. Yeah, but, but no, like they, like I said, there's some guys that have their dogs well-trained, and and they just say, come on. And even even those, you know, talking about the dogs baying up cats, there's a guy uh, that I follow on Instagram that he, he can call his dogs off of cat that they're looking at. Wow. And it's like, what in the world, man? You've worked with those dogs a lot. And that's, that's cool. That's pretty cool. So, man. Speaking of, uh, is there is there anybody that you kind of, because I mean, like, you're probably the only guy I know that hound hunts. So, is 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 there anybody in the community that you look up to and how big is that community? Because it, it doesn't seem like an aspect of hunting that gets talked about a lot. Right. So... Uh, there's a few guys uh, growing up. Obviously, the guy that bought my grandpa's uh, pup and, and got her bred, he's still, uh, he's actually an elder at my church. Oh, okay. And so I get to talk to him and I'll, I'll ask him questions and stuff, you know, because my dad kind of got out of the game. He, he's His shift changed at work and he just, it was just too much mm-hmm. to, to try to go on the weekends, you know. Um, and so he, he never really, besides what he did with me, my dad didn't really um, do it on his own, hmm. um, you know, other than going with his dad when, uh, when they went. So, um, but no, yeah, this guy at my church, I, I constantly ask him questions or, or, you know, Hey, what do you think the dog did this? You know, what do you think about that? Or, he, you know, and he'll tell me things. And so he, he hunted with my grandpa a little bit and, you know, obviously. And, and so I, I look up to him quite a bit and ask him stuff. Um, and then there's another guy that, uh, when I was a kid, he actually held a coon competition and, and, you know, hmm. biggest coon and they, they got some books and some leashes and stuff for prices for uh-huh. prizes. And, That's cool. and so he, he, uh, every time I run into him, it's, it's nice to talk to him and he'll, he'll say, yeah. Oh, well maybe, you know, I'll try this or, Oh, that sounds like they were doing this or, you know, whatever. And so, hmm. um, That's awesome. I but, think part of the thing that you're getting at is like, it's all, it's a bunch of older guys, a bunch of small town guys who have dogs and they've been doing it, but they don't, they're not going to make YouTube videos. They're not going to do any kind of media or anything. No, there's, there's a few younger guys on Instagram and stuff that are posting, you know, video of them tree and stuff. And, um, but most of the guys, they keep to themselves cause they, you know, they don't want to put out a bad name, you know, like, Mm. like I said, everybody's got this weird, concept of hounds and yeah and what you're doing and so i i kind of categorize hound hunting and and trapping kind of in the same funnel do you do you guys which is funny because they fight each other all the time because the hounds will get in a trap or they'll mess up the trapper what they're doing but then at at the same time i agree with what you're saying they are kind of equally like disparaged in the community it's it's methods that are for some reason frowned upon yeah, um, too rudimentary, I and, guess. And I don't, I don't know why. Um, you know, I I met a I met a trapper one time, and he told me he so in in Western Oregon you can uh, buy as many uh, Bobcat record cards as you can. So there's 15 on a card. Mm-hmm. So once you fill that out, you're allowed to buy another one. Like mm. you can't buy them all at once. You buy them one at a time. Well, I'm not sure exactly. I've never okay. bought more than one, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that. If you could buy multiple, I think you could buy multiple at once. Oh, wow. So, okay. so you just write the number on there and it's like 21 bucks or something 20, for each tag for each tag. So, um, 
I can't remember the hmm. exact price, but uh, he told me he filled three record cards trapping wow. on Bobcat. Wow. And, that was 45 and, cats. Yeah, that's 45 cats. So um, that was one year. So, so, um, he was using leg holds. He was, um, that's a whole nother subject, but, um, but we're going to have a trapper guy on soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, I have caught one bobcat in a live trap. Mm. Um, but that was a pissed off bobcat. It was like a 30 pound Tom and it was, it was fun. So it was hissing at you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's. That's the closest you I've been to tickle one. Tickle him under his chin. No, no. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, we did. We were live trapping him for the purpose of trying to train the dogs. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, kind of transition in the conversation. Are you ready to transition away from? Yeah, we're kind of yeah. running low on time, so we'll Absolutely. move into the ending. Um, a few things that I really wanted to hit with you while we had you is, um, the outdoors is a huge part of your life. It's. It's a part of, I don't even know, you could even say it's it's a part of your identity. Like Jericho yeah. Brown, the outdoors. Well, Jesus first. Yeah. And the family and the outdoors, you know. Yeah. And But the beautiful thing is those worlds are all kind of blended together. You can't separate. Even though we, we say our priorities list, we say like God, family, and fill in the blank. Whatever it is someone else puts there. Right. But in, in reality, even though we can say that and it's important to state our priorities in that order, they all get kind of blended together. together, you know? Yeah. And so my my question with, with outdoors being such a huge part of your life, do you think it, there's something that your dad did that inspired you to go down that path? Like as a dad and, and lots of other people who want their children to grow up loving the outdoors do you recognize anything that your dad did that brought you to where you are? Uh, really, he, he took me fishing a lot. Yeah. So, so he didn't really like force it. That's just what we did, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, I either enjoyed it or I didn't, you mm-hmm. know? And, and, um, but we were constantly fishing. Okay. Like, you know, trout fishing and, and then later on bass fishing in the Yam Hill and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and so that's what I started out doing. And we really didn't start hunting until I was like, I mean, he took me a few times, but, yeah. but till I was like almost 10, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, maybe a couple of times when I was younger, but, yeah, but he wasn't successful till after I graduated high school. So, <laughs> so, um, cause he had a snot nosed kid following him around in the woods, but I'm sure um, that's what he told you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's your fault, Jerick. <laughs> but no, it, it was just taking me. Uh-huh. I mean, simply just yeah. taking me, um, showing me, getting me out there and, and letting it be something that we did together. And, you know, even now I crave that hmm. to go with my dad. When my dad can go, I, I love that. Yeah. You know? Cause he's got more experience than I do. You know, he's been around it. So it's, it's nice to have him with me just for that, but also just to be with my dad. That's a time I get with him. And, and I think that's what it became. And, uh, you know, I hope that's what it will be with my boys. Yeah. Um, my son likes to ride around the truck and, you know, he's facing forward now, but when he was facing backwards, he loved to see <laughs> the dogs, dogs riding on top of the dog box. Cause he's looking right out the back window. Yep, at him. Yep, and even my, my youngest son now giggles when he sees the dogs up on the dog box. Uh-huh. And, and you know, that's something that I didn't do when I was young. I didn't, like I said earlier, I didn't get into dogs till I was 11, you know, until yeah. I got my first dog. 
And so my boys are getting a taste of it early uh-huh. and I'm hoping to, with the dogs I have now that they'll actually get to experience, you know, game in the tree. I think it's just so important to, to take them with you. You know, it's hard. My son is two, two and, and then my other son is uh, just now seven months. And mm. so, you know, they have to sit in the pickup quite a bit while I run in and try to get the dogs out of the woods or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm glad my wife likes to go. Um, yeah, that's huge. Um, she prefers to go with me instead of staying at home. Um, she doesn't like when I go by myself. For the or, hound hunting. Or, or, well, yeah, she just likes to be in the woods, you yeah. know, which is something she didn't grow up doing. Uh-huh. But no, it's just, I think just taking them with you and, and not forcing them to do do it. If they don't like it, don't force it, you know, but encourage it and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, if you want to go with me, you can. Like Bryant said, as a, as a Christian, it's God first, then family and, you know, and friends. And as a youth pastor, I, I have kids that have needs all the time. And, and so, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of my time. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and when you're running dogs, you're, you're out there all day, a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, especially, yeah. especially with, you know, dogs that, that aren't finished, that don't, don't know exactly what they're they're supposed to do you know it's getting easier for me now that i have a a dog that that will will tell on the other dogs you know she'll say oh yeah she'll say uh that's not what we're supposed to run you know and and she'll Sadie, back, the back old, the old lady the old lady dog she'll back up to the truck and the other dogs will uh, then i'll tone them or whatever but you know it's getting that's easy. helpful it's getting easier now because of that because now i can go up and and make a loop and know i'm not running mm. running trash you know running running off game so um it's getting a little easier mm-hmm. just to go up there for a few hours and then come home. But um, like the other night, my dad and I left at four and didn't get home till like one o'clock, you know, because um, we we started running something and we're trying to figure it out and dogs got all messed up in some windfall and stuff. But, um, you know, it, it it's a lot of time. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, my wife doesn't quite understand that, you know, yet yet she doesn't understand yet that i mean if i start running something it could be another two three hours before i get home you know yeah you know cause she starts panicking a little bit when i say oh I'm, i'll probably be home around here you know around this time and then i don't show up two three hours later and she's like yeah. what is, what happened you know dude i'm notorious for that oh i'm still out fishing when are you gonna be home well, I just got another bite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Depends on how, how Where good have we're you doing. Been? Uh, I always think about that when like I'm even deer hunting, you know, and I plan like a morning hunt. Like, okay, I'll be back this afternoon. I'll be yeah. back around two or three. And then at five, I have like a meeting, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then I start thinking like, well, what if I shoot a deer at two, which I've done before. And then I'm not home until seven o'clock at night because I'm packing out this animal, you know? It's when you call your buddies. Well, it's exactly when I got, when I, when I was with Matt. And he got that buck. Yeah. We shot it at exactly 1145. Mm-hmm. A.m. Didn't get home way. until 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. Had to clean up, wash all the blood off my gear, and get out the door for something at 6. Right. You know? And so it's just like, and I was so beat tired because, yeah. you know, carrying all the meat on your back had to climb all the way up a mountain, then back down the other side to the truck. You know, it's just like, uh, the time, but anyway, uh, staying on the conversation of your values between God and family and the outdoors, 
Now we, we explored like how your family interacts with that, but how does your relationship with God and even your personal life ministry, how mm-hmm. have you combined that with the outdoors and, and how, how does your life in the outdoors influence your spiritual life? Yeah, for sure. So when I'm up in the woods at all, you know, I look, I look around and I, I just see the beauty of it. You know, I, and I look at it and say, how can, how can people believe that there isn't a creator for Mm -hmm. this? You know, um, everything's so diverse and works in an order. There's an order to, to everything out there. Um, even, even the fact, you know, that the dogs will run game and, you know, the dogs have taught me, um, and made me look at, at, at my walk with Jesus a lot differently, you know, um, this, this relationship between the dogs and and the master. Right. And I see that as my relationship with God and him giving me a purpose, Mm -hmm. which is to, to go share, um, share him with others, you know, and that's kind of like this purpose for the dogs, you know, their purpose is to run a bobcat and tree it or run a raccoon and tree it. And my purpose is to go tell others about Jesus and, and, be excited about it. Right. You know, the dogs, um, they're excited when I pull up, they're excited, they're barking, they're, they're ready to go. They jump right into the back of the truck. Well, a couple of them do some of my pups don't, but, <laughs> but you know, they're excited to do what they were made to do. Yeah. Right. And we were made to worship God Yeah, and, and we were made to, to have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And then he gives us a purpose, which is to, to go tell others about him. And, you know, I, I always think of, of John the Baptist, you know, mm-hmm. the voice in the wilderness. Yeah. Make, make a path for the Lord, you know, um, that's paraphrasing. But I just love being out there. Um, when I'm by myself, it's, it's my quiet time. I'm driving around all over. I have hours to think, you know, some of my best times, not even hunting, but like scouting. I'm sitting out there bringing my Bible out to a landing, yeah. sitting there reading. And it's funny because I see the most game when I'm doing that. Hmm. Yeah. I'm sitting there reading or, and I'm, or I'm singing a song out loud, you know, worship song out loud or whatever it is. And all of a sudden I'll look down and there'll be elk in the bottom of the clear cut or <laughs> there'll be a buck feeding up towards me or, or whatever, you know. And, and I just love that. Where did, where did Jesus go after he was baptized? He mm-hmm. went into the wilderness. Yeah. Where did he send the Israelites after after Egypt into the wilderness. And yeah. There's so much to that because it's a place where you can be free from distractions. You're usually out of phone service. Well, lately, usually it's, you, it, lately they've got their towers working a little, growing. little too yeah. hard. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're free from other distractions. It's you yeah. and, and God and what you're out there to do, yeah. you know, on what you were saying, Jericho about purpose. That is one thing in life that, everyone is seeking his purpose. And so I wanted to say, if you're someone who, you know, you don't call yourself a Christian, but you go out to the woods, you spend time in nature and you notice something, there's something bigger than you. Mm -hmm. There's something, oh, that's all I can say. There's something bigger than you out there. And you're hearing us talk about purpose just kind of off the back of our hand as if it's like a given, you know, because that's what happens when you engage with the Lord and when you begin that relationship with him, he gives you a purpose. And that's the only final place to find purpose in life. That's where all of our purpose comes from. Right. 
And so if, if you are seeking purpose and you are, are trying to understand what this life is, I want to just share the gospel message real quick and offer that out. Listen to this, internalize it. And if, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, if you want to give your life to him, then pray a prayer of, of lordship. Pray a prayer and put Jesus on the throne in your life and make him the king of your life. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. If you make that decision, if you pray that prayer, please reach out to one of us um, and, and we'd love to to talk with you through that and, and see what's next. But I'm, I'm going to share, this is the gospel message. The Son of God took your sin and died in your place, then rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit, which made a way for you to have eternal life and reunite with the Father who created you. I'll go on to say, when you believe and make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are saved. Mm-hmm, yeah. Then you're filled by that same Holy Spirit as a down payment for your eternity. Yeah. After that, the presence of God in your heart slowly changes your outlook and your behavior, causing you to love God and love others and be a part of the gospel mission. So you don't need to clean up and get your act right and say, well, when I'm done with this, I'll do that. When, when I'm not going through this, I'll do that. But we come to God first, and then out of responding to that love and that grace that he offers, then he changes us, right. and we don't change ourselves. Right. God's always a lifeline, right? But it's a lifeline that you have to, you have, to have a relationship with every single day. Right. It's not, uh, hey, I'm in, you know, this major chaotic mess in my life and I need your help right now and right now only. Right. And the thing when Bryant was reading that gospel message was that, that kind of came over me was, man, when I'm out there, I can, I, I can sit down and think if I died right now, A, I'd be in peace yeah. and B, I know where my, my soul, my eternal soul is going. Right. Right. Hey, if, if anybody wants to hit you up on social media, um, Go ahead, plug your stuff, the church, anything that you want to <laughs> talk about. This is your time. Well, I don't really have a lot to plug. Um, I think my Instagram handle, I don't even know what it is. Uh, I think it's jbrow316 or something, something like, like that. that. Something like that. Um, if you're in the Lafayette area and uh, you're you're looking for a church or you're seeking, come to Lafayette Community Church. We are have our services on Sunday from... Uh, we have Sunday school from nine to ten, and and then our our regular church worship service from ten to eleven. So, and if you're a youth listening to this, love to have you out to youth group. We have high school Bible study on Monday nights from uh, six thirty to eight, and uh, youth group, which is sixth through twelfth grade, on Tuesdays from six thirty to eight. That does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. God bless, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thank you. See you.